We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle, he dives, and he's in! Touchdown, 49ers! What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers, and joining me tonight, and joining me every other night, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, and who sounds like he's also joined by one of his his youngins, Eric Crocker. <laughs> What's going on, man? You know, we just did the whole countdown, and it's like, are you ready? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, the coast is clear. And then as soon as you're in the middle of, you know, the ad, you're like, where's mommy at? Like, get out of here. <laughs> Did you, like, chuck her out the door? I, hope I didn't even look at her. I just like, was, like, waving my hand, like, get out. <laughs> Dude, that's perfect, man. <laughs> She's somewhere perfect. out there. She's not in here. Get out of here. Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the clip where that, that guy from, I think, England was, was doing, like, a – he was, like, doing a news bit from his home, and – the his youngest because he he's, you can tell he's got like an office it's all set up with like maps and like a little bookshelf and like it's like a super nice looking office and he's in the middle with BBC their their biggest their biggest news corporation and he's in the middle of doing this and his the door just slowly swings open behind him and his daughter just comes walking in like like the, and it, her the way she walked became like a meme it became like a gif where where uh, she just comes trotting in like she owns the place, like, dude, doo-doo, doo-doo. And then 
then the, the, the baby on one of those little child walkers, you know, where you set them in there and they have wheels and they just kind of roll around, um, just comes sliding in behind the girl. And then right after that, the, the mom comes like does like a full on baseball trying to steal home plate, slides into the door, grabs the baby, tries to get the baby out the door while grabbing <laughs> the other daughter and like is all tangled up in them the whole time the guy's sitting there staring at the camera. He hasn't even turned around. He's just staring at the camera and he just keeps saying, My my apologies. My my apologies. <laughs> It just reminds me of that. Like you just sit there locked into the podcast, and your daughter just comes busting in in the back. And I, awesome. I thought it was my wife because at least my wife knows to like, okay, let me come in quietly, and you know, I know right. he's recording. And but when I kind of glanced and saw a little body, I was like, ah, oh, damn, this is not gonna go good. <laughs> First, where's mommy? I'm like, oh, come on, wow, man, that's that's way better, dude. An, an intro with a with a guest appearance from one of the little Crockers is way better than than one without one. Yeah, you know, I don't think I don't think anybody's gonna mind out there, <laughs> um, especially right now. Uh, I would say I would venture to say that a little bit of laughter wouldn't hurt anybody because obviously, as far as the NFL landscape goes. Uh, things are pretty serious as far as all the news that came out today about the Washington Redskins and soon to be something else because they're supposed to be changing their name. Um, and if you haven't done your due deal, done your due diligence on that, essentially 15 plus women who used to, I believe they all used to work for the organization, obviously, um, have come out of just about, I mean, kind of the bad. It wasn't necessarily sexual assault allegations. It was sexual harassment where they just talked about how bad the culture was in this place and the things that became normal and how the these women, their work environment was basically had deteriorated into tolerating sexual uh, innuendos and constant advances and, you know, basically being miserable at work. Um and it was pretty rough to read. Um, I admittedly haven't read the entire thing, but I wanted to go through it. I read about 90% of it. I just wanted to make sure I got all of it. And it, and it also, it was kind of hard to read, like, the, to know that these people were just having such a terrible experience. I think one of the hardest quotes, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but the hardest things to read was, like, basically one of these girls had, like, relinquished her dream of working in sports because of how bad it was to work for the Redskins. Wow. You know, which, which is tough. Like, dude, if that, like that's your dream and you finally make it there and it just ends up being like the worst experience of your life. Like, you know, that's gotta be pretty soul crushing. And, and that, yeah. that, that goes above and beyond just the, the pure, you know, shittiness for lack of a better term of, you know, the what they were having to endure, but to not only have to endure that and have your like your dreams crushed in the process is, uh, you know, it's pretty brutal. But I have I some uh, quotes. Uh, I, I think I don't know if it's from the article. It might be. I couldn't read the article. I think I had to like pay for it or something. But um, here, here's one quote it says it was the most miserable experience of my life. And we all tolerated it because we knew if we complained and, and they reminded us of this. There were a thousand people out there who would take our job in a heartbeat. Um, that was one quote. So basically, like, it's like you're just so replaceable. So go ahead and complain. We're just going to get somebody else in here. Uh, Which is crazy because that essentially what that quote means is somebody 
if if they didn't complain, whoever authored that quote or whoever said there's a thousand people that would be willing to replace you guys, essentially, if if he were whoever said that in that situation knew that they were in a bad place or they, you know, obviously, you know what I mean? Like, go ahead and complain. There's a thousand people that are going to take your job. So obviously anybody who said that knows what they're doing is wrong. Not not just take your job, but be be willing to put up with the the harassment. Right. Yeah, that's and that's the biggest thing. It's like people will like I guarantee you there's already thousands of comments as oh well why didn't you just quit if it was that bad? Like I said, this these are these these women's dream to work in sports, to you know, to reach the pinnacle of that kind of you know, the journey through that side of the of kind of the journalism uh, pyramid, I guess you could say, and and they've reached almost the top of where they want to be, and you don't want to just like, yeah, your experience might be horrible, but that that's not going to necessarily override your love for the profession or the you know the the world of sports. So they're willing to essentially, in, like, there's a million things we all would do that we would be willing to endure something for. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure you would be able to attest, Crocker, that raising children isn't always a super pleasant experience, but the, the overall, like, you know, what you get out of it and what you're able to raise and the relationship is, it's worth it. Like there's trade-offs and, and they probably felt the same thing about their job there. So they're willing to endure some, some crappy experiences for the sake of, of reaching their dream. And, and obviously it didn't work out, but you know, it's, Listen, to me, it's this- never that easy. It's never that easy. Listen, this, um, a few months after Emily Applegate started working for the Washington Redskins in 2014, she settled into a daily routine. She would meet a female coworker in the bathroom during their lunch breaks, she said, to com- commiserate and cry about the frequent sexual harassment and verbal abuse they endured. So, like, this was something that was going on so often. It was like, like hey, you know, they got into a routine of kind of like, like you know, being each other's like you know shoulders to cry on, you know about the the, the harassment that they were enduring, you know, like that's just I can't even imagine it, you know, being it's a male, brutal. like I, I couldn't even imagine, uh, you know, at the job I have, <laughs> at the job I have here in Arkansas, like there is this lady that comes in and she always wants me to help her and she calls me California and I guess there was one day um, I wasn't I wasn't there. I think I had flew back to California for something, and the lady was like, "Hey, where's California?" I show him mind him, you know, him helping me. And me, I, you know, I just think it's funny, you know, it's just an old lady, lady like, you know, making fun, not not really making real passes at me, but you know, um, this is different. This is something like every day, <laughs> like you know, men, like, and you know, I mean, the the we've both been around the Forty Niners uh, team facilities. Uh, you know, even as, you know, writers uh, or people covering the 49ers, there's Jennifer Lee Chan and, and um, what's the other one? Uh, yeah, Tracy. Tracy, yeah, Tracy. Tracy from, like, uh, you, yeah. You, so you got Jennifer Lee Chan and you got Tracy. And then the rest, everybody else is men. And these are women that have to be around. Like, they're in the locker rooms, everything. Like, and at least I, like, am, I'm very observant. I never got the sense of anyone like making any type of passes at those women or saying anything to make them feel uncomfortable, at least from, from what, you know, when I was around and what I saw, I can't speak for every day that 
they've been covering the 49ers for however many years. Tracy Sandler and, and Jennifer Lee Chan have been covering them, but I, I just never got the sense that they felt awkward or uncomfortable around any of those men. And I just couldn't, you know, I can't think of a, or I couldn't fathom, like, just that type of environment where it's just like, man, I just want to do my job, and I can't because I have these men. Like, you were telling me about the walking up the stairs and the guys looking at the skirt. Like, come on. And and she said in that article that, that the guy, whoever was doing it, wasn't even trying to hide it. Like, it was a completely normal thing. Like, I'm going to stand here. Essentially, what Crocker's referencing is there's a part in the article where it talks about – the article is very, very long and very in-depth. It includes text message screenshots, everything. And the apparent, there's one part where apparently within the Redskins facility, the, head, the, the front office, there's like a staircase. And the way the staircase is built, it features some plexiglass at some point. And it's, essentially, if you're at the bottom of the stairs, you can look straight up and see people walking down the stairs. And, and apparently guys just would make a habit of, being at the bottom of the stairs and watching, looking up girls' skirts, excuse me, women's skirts, as they walk down the stairs. And she said that she looked down and saw him doing it, and he didn't even turn away or, like, you know, like, act like what he was doing was wrong. Like, he just kept looking, which is, one, creepy, and two, just (laughs) pretty, like, sad that that would become, like, a, a thing. At a workplace, you know, especially a workplace like that where you would expect kind of like a an increased professionalism, you know, just just by the sheer nature of the business and 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 how successful it is and stuff like that. And and obviously, several women since then have come out and said, like, look, this is not just obviously it's it's pretty bad in Washington, but this it's this doesn't just happen at that team. And and like you're saying about Jennifer and Tracy, you know, it's good to know. And and my I in no way can speak for them. And, right. Now I want to make and, it clear. I'm not speaking for them. I'm just I'm just going off of like right. me being observant, going into a room, not really knowing any of these people, uh, these people that are around each other a lot more than I'm around them. And just the sense me being very observant, I didn't get the sense that anybody felt uncomfortable. But again, I don't know. So I don't want to speak for them and, and say that. But I'm just saying if I did see it, I would I would have noticed it. At, at least from with me being around, very small percentage of the time, um, and I'd have been like, mm, "That's a little, that's a little weird," like you know. But I, I never, I never personally saw that. But I, I don't want to speak for them. Sorry. No, no. And and what I was what I was saying was is like, I don't want to speak for them either. But I've I've I feel like their experience within the 49ers organization. Again, they're not necessarily they're not employees of the 49ers. They're media members that are are commonly within the 49ers building. But it's almost I've almost felt got a sense that they're very like they're very appreciated obviously and they're very protected as in like everybody. It seems like if 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 anything like that should go on and any of the members of the media or the 49ers staff got wind of it, it would be something that was very, very quickly stuffed out. Like I, I just get that impression from being around them, being around other members of the media and being around the 49ers staff. It it just doesn't seem like something that would exist. But again, I, I can't say that with any certainty because I'm not them. I can't speak for them. I can't, uh, you know, relate to their experiences. There could very easily been stuff that happened that I know nothing about, but at the same time, I just feel like I can at least for now 
take a little bit of comfort in knowing I don't feel like they're treated how the women in this article are described as being treated. But again, ignorance can be bliss. You know, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Um, you know, the other second thing is that like this, this Emily Applegate, you know, she's an attractive woman, but it sucks that you have to be like, uh, like almost punished or, you know, be, because you're attractive. Like, so because, uh, you know, you look a certain way, you know, that now like, you know, you, you can't even work comfortably in, a, in an environment that you, you know, you've been, you really want to be in, you know, and it's like, damn, like to the point where, like I, like I said, you know, crying in bathroom you know at a job that she wants to be there's like she wants but she wants she clearly wants to you know work in the nfl but she's being penalized because she's she's an attractive woman and that that's that's you she can't change that you know right like she, and yeah she's essentially being it's almost like in order for her to be in the position she's in and and have the job she has, she has to endure all this bullshit, which isn't the case or shouldn't be the case. You know what I mean? Nobody should have to endure that to to do what they love, and it just sucks that somebody and it, and it's it obviously wasn't an isolated case. There are fifteen probably plus women who can all attest to the same, and 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 that doesn't that doesn't include women who we know are afraid to say something. For, for fear of of what it may become of them if they do, and people that are probably still inside of that building and still inside of other buildings that are having the same problem. And it's just, you know, it just sucks that these women who want nothing more than what all of the men want, and that is to just achieve their their goal of, of being a sports journalist, have to endure this completely different experience because – of their, you know, their their sex and what they look like and how attractive these males seem to think they are and cannot manage to control their, you know, control themselves. It's just, it's a trip to me that, you know, and the, the, the another, it's not scary, I guess it is. It can be scary, but I guarantee you these men that are no longer the – th- the two or three men that were mostly focused on within this article have since – resigned from the organization and including I think one of the guys that that did their radios or did their their broadcasts and they've all it's and it's not a coincidence they've all resigned because they were probably given a heads up on what was going to be in this article and the team said you should probably leave and you know it, it, these guys probably knew what they were doing too that's that's what I was going my point what my point was is what I was going to say is these guys probably knew what they were doing and they were they knew that they were making these women uncomfortable and i you know it's just i don't know what type of person you have to be to be like that so it's just it's just it's crappy man i mean i can't relate on many levels one i don't treat women like that and two i'm not a woman so i can't relate to the struggles they go through in a workplace you know it's just i'm not like crocker here who has women advancing themselves on onto him i've just I'm, <laughs> I don't. Just, I is I, an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, tell her I said hello, and, and I appreciate you uh, keeping your self esteem high. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm kidding. But it, it's just it's shitty, man, and it's it sucks that this has to be a topic. But unfortunately, like we've learned as of late, you know, some people in this country and and in have different experiences than other people, you know, and, and that works 
on so many different levels, and, and I don't I say works, but holds true on so many different levels in in this country. And unfortunately, the, what we're reading about the women um, within Washington, it's just another bad example. You know. It's, Do you uh, have uh, any take on on uh, on the, their name change? It sounds like it's something that's about to happen now. I, I mean, you know, the NFL is really weird. They have a whole thing with, like, even with jerseys and stuff like that. Like, you have to announce what jerseys you're going to wear, like, way in advance. Um, If you're going to do any kind of changes or alternate uniforms, like, that has to be something that's, like, it's usually planned way out in advance. They're kind of changing this up on the fly, where training camp starts in two weeks and they don't have a team name. <laughs> so, right. do you have any like, – I mean, like, I don't know. I guess. I mean, I, I posted on Twitter that I felt like one of the best suggestions I'd seen was the the Washington, I believe it was the Red Wings, which is the – Red Tails. The Nick, Red Tails, there you go. Is the That's the nickname of the – essentially what was the first African-American um, fighter squadron in the Air Force. And they were also known as the Tuskegee Airmen. And there's been movies about them and stuff like that. And, and it, that was just obviously the, the you know, Redskins, Red Tails, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, obviously there's the, you keep the same color. There's a little bit, the name sounds, you know, the, the syllables, it, it's, it keeps it similar. And I think the backstory or the history behind that name is awesome. You know, obviously a big military guy and, and, and even uh, Greg Chiano said that, um, somebody, I think it was him. Somebody said that the name they were they were thinking about going with, or, or they they had focused on, would would have something to do with the military, or would honor the military, or something like that. So when he and then when he said that, I was like, this. He said that after I, I was kind of like, hey man, they should just be the Red Tails. That'd be pretty sweet. He said that afterwards, and I, I it could be something else. It could be something completely out of that. I have no idea was. I mean, I like Red Red Wolves. I thought that was okay. I just I hate. I, I mean, it's like so many NFL teams are named after animals. Well, I mean, like, it's. I mean, I don't know what. So typically, so I've heard two. two I've heard two different ways about going about this. Um, I heard that, like, from a marketing standpoint, uh, teams or like a good way to go about it is if you're whatever the the first like letter in your name, like Washington. So like the W. If you if the nickname is the same as that, like. It starts the same, you know what I'm saying? So like uh uh Tennessee Titans or Jacksonville Jaguars. See what I'm saying? Like I, I hear from like a marketing standpoint, it's uh Seattle you Seahawks. Like, you're talking about alliteration and the fact they both start with the the same letter? Yeah. And if yeah, you kinda yeah. notice you start kinda go go going around like obviously not every team, but you know, I just kinda name three, but um there are like a few more uh, I'm sure, but I know that, that Warriors was, was a popular one. Washington Warriors, yeah, and you know, and, you know. and that would that would kind of go with. Well, that, Red Wolf starts with an R, Crocker. I know, but then but they're still like the Wolves. Now that there's I get I get you, and, but and the same thing. Uh, and the, the other thing I realized about the Red Tails was is there's there's just still so many racists in this country that. Like you obviously don't want to pander to them, but you know there's just going to be some ignorant. I mean, I can think of so many colorful words to use right now. There's yeah. just going to be so many ignorant people out there that somehow have a problem 
with being named after the first African-American fighter squadron. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and I at realize some point, that. somebody will have an issue with that and protest. And I mean, this is something, too. I mean, you know, Dan Snyder, he swore he would never change the name of the Washington Redskins. People have been trying for years to 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 change the name of this team, and he wouldn't do it. And I never thought anything of it. Um, you know, I've never thought of it as like some type of racial slur, but I guess it is. You know, um, I've just never heard somebody say, "Hey, you red skin," like you know, I've right, never right, heard right. it. <laughs> but um, I, from what I understand, the kind of things I've been hearing and why they've been wanting the name change, that that's an issue. And uh. If you change it to even something like, you know, the Red Tails, I'm pretty sure there will be uh, certain people that have an issue with it. Why is it that? What's so special about them? You know, that whole type of thing. And it becomes controversial when, man, at the end of the day, you know, they, they just want to rename this team and, and, and you know, have a little history behind it. But if you name it the Red Wolves, there's no, uh, <laughs> there's no <laughs> issues there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> But maybe yeah, some I mean, maybe it, some type of Twilight. I don't know. Did you watch the Twilight movies? Hell no. You didn't watch Twilight? I mean, I think I got suckered into like seeing the first one. Yeah, you had to. But, I mean, we all had girlfriends. Well, I right. I had a girlfriend that made me watch that shit. Yeah. And there was no See, getting out of no it. No shame in that. You don't have to hide that from any <laughs> of the followers or the listeners. Right. Right. So yeah, no, I, mean, I, was, I watched I watched one, two, and three. Yeah. No, I was. Uh, <laughs> but then I made her ass watch Harry Potter. That's for sure. Oh damn! But I don't even know if that's fair. I mean, like that's se- seven hour long movies. <laughs> well, if you had yeah, if you had them all together. No, no, I'm talking dude. about just one. No, just one. No, that's Lord of the Rings. It's super long. Harry Potter oh. movies aren't that long. But I watch those too. Don't worry. Man, well, but, I, gotta, I gotta watch both. All right. So before we before we either keep talking <laughs> or switch gears or whatever, <laughs> let me uh, let me jump in here. Actually, I'm not even ready to read my ad yet. Uh, because I had to jumpstart my computer. Now I don't have it in front of me. But one of the uh, the things that we have, I don't know, that's been like going around on Twitter late, lately. To me, it's kind of funny. Is have you seen all the the pay George Kittle stuff? Yeah. Well, so we touched on the last week. I, hold I, on, I don't hold know on. where. Me, I got my ad up now. But when we come back, okay. we'll we'll, right. we'll talk about it. we'll talk about. It. All right. So striking goal listeners. You know sports are coming back. It's going to be weird. We don't know what it's going to look like, but they're slowly working their way back. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out the daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, so I got it. We're good. My bad. I, I usually have that up when we go to – and ready when we go to, to roll our ad, but I had restarted everything and forgot to pull it back up. But So, anyways, um, the page – what were you going to say about the, the pay George Kittle stuff? I, I was saying that I, I think we touched on it 
a little bit on the last episode. We were asking. I know we talked about like the fact that obviously they're going to pay him and maybe how much he'll make, but I don't know, man. It's I, I guess I was gonna rant a little bit. Like I think I, I just saw him tweeted today. Evan Evan tweeted out. Um, if you don't know Evan Swords, he's he's all over 49ers Twitter. You should know him. Um, like the fact that this pay George Kittle hashtag was spreading, he he kind of like equated it to like running up to like a, a friend and his girlfriend that are in like a completely successful and happy relationship and just yelling at them like, don't break up, stay together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought, that was, <laughs> I thought that was like a super good example because it's like <laughs> nothing between George Kittle <laughs> Nothing between George Kittle and the 49ers is like there's no fractured relationship. There's no like tension. There's no like they're working through the contract of, of who is going to become far and away the highest paid tight end in the NFL. And like, like, yeah, of course they're going to pay George Kittle. Like has anybody in the 49ers organization said they're not going to pay George Kittle? You know, like, to me, it's like making something, it's like me hopping on here and being like, hey, guys, listen, drugs are bad, okay? Listen, don't argue with me on this. Drugs are bad. Like, just just know that that, that heroin <laughs> is not good for you. It's horrible. Don't do it. Don't argue with me. Like, it's like. And nobody's disputing it, right? Like, right, right. It. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, they're going to pay George Kittle. Like, and if, I mean, if John Lynch likes his job, they're going to pay George Kittle because letting go of somebody like George Kittle makes you look like, I don't know, like the Raiders and Khalil Mack or something. Like, obviously, they all kept their jobs, but it's. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's interesting you bring them up because I was listening to, not to cut you off, but I did cut you off my bad. No, no, go. um, Listening to to John Middlecoff and and, uh, and Guy Haberman. Uh, I listened to those guys for the food. And that was their thing, right? Like, originally it was like, oh, it's going to get done, it's going to get done, it's going to get done. Um, and Middlecoff was talking about how he briefly spoke with Shanahan at the combine and, you know, uh, Shanahan was, you know, really excited to talk about how they just kind of talked about scheme pretty much and how George Kittle kind of fits into the offense. And I don't know if it, dang, I can't remember if it's something that I should have taken notes, but, um, (laughs) Middlecoff was saying he heard or just his hunch, but he was saying when he when he's starting to hear people kind of talk about it and kind of the details of it, it's not as simple uh, of a uh, as as he originally thought it would be. Like you know, he kind of thought this would just be kind of like a this super easy, seamless, and boom, deal done. And he doesn't think it's going to be quite that easy. Uh, the issue is, you know, obviously, you know, there's a huge uh, money difference between what George Kittle will get and the next highest paid uh, tight end, which I want to say is Hooper. Um, but, but you know, they were kind of talking about how there are some issues. Because if you just kind of look at it in the grand scheme of things and kind of look at it, how tight ends are paid, I want to say there's like 30 or 20-something tight, uh, receivers that are paid more than than Travis Kelsey. Which is like, I mean, even guys like Jamison Crowder, he's paid more than Travis Kelsey. And that's kind of ridiculous, like when you kind of think about it like that, right? right. Uh, and the, you can kind of really go on and on and on, and you realize that 
these tight ends, whether it's Kelsey, whether it's Kittle, they're making way more of an impact to their team than a lot of the receivers that are paid, like even in the top 20 uh, receivers or even some of the top 15 guys. I think I, I – and don't quote me on this, but I think I saw something that said George Kittle has more yards and catches than Amari Cooper over the last two years. And he just got a $100 million contract. You know, like, you know, and, and George Kittle not only is a receiver, he blocks too. And the 49ers run game isn't the same without him. So, uh, you know, this is – it's uh, it's very interesting. And I, I think it – I don't want to say that, you know, there's going to be, like, turmoil. Obviously, I, I want to believe that the 49ers do have every uh, uh, intentions on, on, on signing him and, and making him the highest paid tight end in the league. But – I don't know if it's going to be as easy as I originally thought. You know, it, it it sounds like there are a lot of different things that go into it. Then I just found out, because I was saying, like, well, if I'm George Kittle, I hold out. Like, I'm not going to put my body on the line and and pay, play, be the, what is he, like the, you know, I don't know. He He's making, he's not making a bunch of money this year. And, and risk my, you know, risk my, my health and get hurt. Like, I'm just going to hold out. But then I just found out you can't hold out if he. No, the the new CBA is like brutal yeah. for holdouts. If he holds out, if he misses five or six days or something like that, after that, he he loses an accrued year. So then what that what happens there is he ends up basically being a a restricted free agent next offseason. <laughs> That's even worse because now the 49ers can kind of I don't want to say lowball you, but they have a chance they have an opportunity to 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 match any offer that anybody else gives them, and they can put a tender on them, whether it's a first-round pick or two first, whatever the tender they put on them. And now it's like, well, if you want them, you're going to have to pay him a bunch of money and give us draft picks. And, you know, and you know, George Kittle loses a lot of leverage in that way. So um, it definitely is a little bit stickier of a situation than I originally thought. But I still believe that the 49ers have every intentions on – making this work and, and paying the guy who's the face of your team, the face of your franchise, the best player on your team. And and, and I know people have brought up the, the, the Buckner situation. Buckner wasn't George Kittle at his position. Like like George Kittle is like the one of the best non quarterback players in the entire NFL. <laughs> you know, like this is not and Buckner was really good, really good football player. He was not elite. He was not George Kittle. It was a good football player. Um, this is definitely a different situation, man. Like it's 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 tough. Right, and there's there's also a matter of like position position value, and 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 you know I I anybody who listens to Striking Golders who've been paying attention to me for the last I don't know ten years knows that you know I was one of the biggest DeForest Buckner fans out there like pre-draft like he was my unequivocal draft crush that year and and I just was so impressed with the person and the player like and I was thrilled when the 49ers got him but it's like you can you can lose a DeForest Buckner in a game and still be okay a lot well it's, you can lose a DeForest Buckner a lot easier than you can lose a George Kittle and and we've seen that and how and you know there's statistics proving that and and the 49ers happen to have a, a wealth of of talent along the defensive line and they just happen to have 
Armstead at the same position who they could sign for a little less and then somebody just happened to get, you know, a first round pick in exchange for Buckner. You know, like a lot of things had to had to align for for that whole situation to play out how it did. Um but like, yeah, you're talking about arguably a, a top 5 top 10 player in the NFL. Period and any at all positions, any position. He's all paid to be skill, like the best right? like one one of the best ever at his position. Like, right. You know, like you know, if 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 I were to tell you right now, hey, uh, George Kittle is going to retire a top ten tight end ever, I don't think anybody would think that's crazy. No, not even a little bit. And and in in addition to that, like his personality obviously makes him so much easier to like. The dude's just like a total goober, but at the same time, he's all ball all the time, and he's just basically your ideal little football player. But it's like. Like you're saying, the contract negotiations, I don't expect to be easy or quick or, you know, because cause like you're saying, there's so many receivers like that you can point to that don't seem as valuable as George Kittle. And I I get what the tight end market is, but George Kittle has a serious case to say, I don't give a shit about the tight end market. Like, look at... Tell me I'm not worth more to your offense, Kyle, than Adam Thielen is to the Vikings. You know, like there's like these are talking you're talking about like top ten paid wideouts that are like in the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen million dollar range. You know, like or maybe a little less. Like, and that would drastic that would blow the tight end market out of the water. But it's just a matter of value, and 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 he has such a strong case for what he should make within that, you know, that structure and the tight end market. And that's kind of what his agent said too, was like, look, I'm not, I'm not negotiating a tight end contract. I'm negotiating a George Kittle contract, you know, and, and it seems like, you know, maybe the chiefs got a huge deal with Travis Kelsey because I feel like he might've had some, you know, similar leverage in that, in the impact he has for that offense. So, you know, it's it's interesting, but to me, the the where we started was I just thought, like, like if George Kittle were like being franchise tagged, can you still franchise tag players two times in a row? I can't remember. Yeah, if, 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 I don't, I don't, I, you know, whatever. Like, but that's like I feel like that's where we are. Like George Kittle was, um, was franchise tagged twice, and the Forty ers just can't work it out, and you know, like. We pay George Kittle. Like, okay, well, we're not even like we're not even near the end of. I mean, we are near the end of his deal, but it's it's just to me, it's just silly. Like, it's like relax. They're they're working on it. I promise. And there's not people in the building going, let's not pay George Kittle, right? You know, Kyle and John aren't looking at each other, going, hey, I don't think we should pay George Kittle. <laughs> and and yeah. John looks back at Kyle and he's like, yeah, I don't think we should either, man. So then. Twitter shows up. It's like, pay George Kittle. Like, it's just, it, I don't know, man. It's silly. But I guess <laughs> we can use this opportunity because we haven't been able to do it very consistently because of the amount of things that keep coming our way. But I guess we can use this opportunity to take a little bit deeper of a look at the tight end position just to kind of – because we've been breaking down slowly but surely. We've been breaking down the 49ers roster position by position. We've done the quarterback. We've done running back. We've done offensive line. Um, just kind of trying to get through it all to kind of get so we have a, a, a bit better of a grasp 
um, of the whole roster before training camp starts, and which is in essentially two weeks, and no one knows what the hell that's going to look like. Um, but the tight end, you know, the tight end roster is fairly simple. You have George Kittle at the top, and then you have – I'll kind of just run through the roster real quick, uh, kind of like in depth chart style. So you have George Kittle at the top. Then behind him would be Ross, Ross Dwelly, who, who stepped in for him a couple times last season and actually did pretty well. And then I would assume behind him, despite the fact that he's a rookie, um, is Charlie Warner, who they drafted this year. And then behind him, you have Daniel Helm and Chase Harrell. Um, Daniel Helm was an undrafted free agent addition last year, so this is his second year. And then you have Chase Harrell, who's a rookie, another undrafted addition. And, you know, to me, though, the depth chart as a whole is pretty simple. You have – if I had to, like, predict a 53-man roster, I'd go George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, Charlie Warner. Now, obviously, that could change. but So there's just not a lot of mystery to it. But I know that you had a little bit of thoughts about – there's been some social media momentum, interest, I guess is a better word, in Chase Harrell, tight end out of Arkansas. What what I know you <laughs> have thoughts on that, <laughs> Crocker – let us hear. So I mean, I, I I watched one one game. So I I and typically I watch a few games. A lot of times, depending on how much the guy plays, it takes me about one game to know if I like him or not. And then I'll watch more or like him and kind of know who he is. And then I'll watch more games to kind of see if that my original thought kind of sticks in my head. Well, I've, I've watched one game so far of, of Harold and. He primarily was a blocker in in pretty much almost every snap. He ran a grand total of three routes. Now, not three different routes like, oh, he ran a slant, a go route, a, a post. You know, and those were the only three routes he ran all game. Like, remember, like, a DK Metcalf coming out? It was like he runs, like, a five-yard comeback, 10-yard comeback, and a slant. Like, and he runs that, you know, all game. Like, no, this guy, Harold, ran three total routes like he went out for a route three times um so it was kind of hard to take anything really from that I know one looked really sketchy and I was like "Uh," and I'm a big movement guy I can tell right away if somebody's like explosive um you know what type of movement skills like what's his ceiling based on you know a lot of his uh his movement skills and his you know his feet and maybe if there's things that he can improve on and it's there like there are guys I've looked at and I'm like ah I see it there. There was a kid uh, from uh, Syracuse I was watching. I'm like, uh, he has the feet. He has the quickness. He just has to put it together. Um, I didn't really get a chance to see that from Harold. Uh, like more, most likely because it was only three routes that he ran. Um, one, he really struggled to get inside of the, the linebacker that was covering him. It, it looked really bad. Another one was an out and up that did not look bad. I, I thought out, out of all the <laughs> – out of the three routes that he ran, um, that one looked the best. It looked like he was comfortable running that, and he was able to kind of open up a little bit. And I was like, okay, I can see, I can see, you know, he 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 moves well. And then there was at the very end, actually the last play of the game, he ran. I don't even know what it was. I don't know what he was trying to run, but it wasn't. It didn't look pretty. So I <laughs> I've seen kind of a a. a a lot of, I don't want to say hype, but there have been a lot of people like, oh, Chase Harrell, like, can't wait. Like, look at this, look at his pro day numbers. Like, it looks like George Kittle's. And it's like, well, pump the brakes, okay? George Kittle did that at the combine. That is a big difference between putting up, you know, running a 4-5-2 at the combine. That's laser time. 
compared to somebody running a four five one at one of the pro days this off season where you don't even have NFL scouts. So that that's cool that Harold put up those numbers and stuff, but I, I kind of will pump the break. Now where I will say is he's comparable to George Kittle is maybe George Kittle's film looked very similar. You know, um I I, I didn't watch George George Kittle's I excuse me, Iowa's film. Um, but maybe if I did watch it, maybe I'd see a lot of the same things that I saw from Chase Harrell. Ah, it looked a little sketchy. Ah, this didn't really look good. Um, but we've seen, you know, George Kittle morph into this super, <laughs> super tight end. Um, I don't expect the same thing from this hero guy, but I, I could see where, you know, people can be excited about the athletic upside, uh, that this guy may have. So, um, I, I really don't have a takeaway yet after watching more Arkansas film. That might have been the only Arkansas offensive uh, film that I had, and it was against LSU. But uh, I didn't take anything away from there thinking this is a guy that, oh, he's a sleeper to make the roster. I, I didn't I didn't come away with that at all. And we've seen other guys, like remember um, a few years years ago, uh, a guy, Cole, Cole Hicatini, remember him? I mean, that was a guy, you know, oh, yeah. he, I think he went, he went undrafted out of Louisville. Uh, that was a guy where it was like, oh, man, there's an upside. Like, you know, it could be a sleeper. And, you know, he ended up being like practice squad and, and let go. Uh, that's not the case with this Harold guy. Like, I, I I wouldn't put, you know, if he makes it, great. I don't like to limit guys. And I don't want to say what a guy can or can't do or can't do. But I didn't see anything that was super – uh, encouraging other than at his man-made or, you know, custom pro day or whatever, he ran a four or five one. Well, what's, everybody wants to believe, you know, wants to, wants to root for an underdog, you know, like everybody, and everybody wants to believe that, you know, our 44, 49ers fans want to believe that the 49ers have found like a diamond in the rough and that, you know, every that's, it's kind of just like an off season tradition that this undrafted guy is going to light up training camp and take over the roster in, and he you know, might, he might. Yeah, right, right, right. I'm not, I'm not. No. Yeah, like you're saying, I'm not saying he can't, but it, the, the odds. I just don't see it. <laughs> right. The odds certainly aren't in his favor, and there's always the, and this is not ironclad. This is not guaranteed, but typically undrafted players, you know, don't stand a great shot at making a roster or having a big impact. We've seen many times where that, where there's an exception to that, especially but, with the 49ers. But right. and again, that was a different time with their roster and how they were building. Uh, I think the one thing that kind of does help with that is that the roster size, I want to say, is increased a little bit. So that that could help one of those, you know, undrafted guys um, have more of a shot. Whereas, you know, if this were any typical year and, you know, the 49ers coming off the Super Bowl with a fairly loaded roster, uh, with a lot of veterans coming back, typically an undrafted guy wouldn't have that much of a chance, especially with guys that like the running backs that are, you know, uh, undrafted. And yeah, no, nah, it's, it's it's tough. It's tough. Right, and and you know what's funny too is you, when you were talking about people comparing the measurables when the forty. I, I actually found the tweet while you're talking about it. When the Forty ers drafted George Kittle, I wrote a tweet that says O.J. Howard, and this it was the same year. Oh, they were drafted in the same year. O.J. Howard, six foot six, two hundred fifty-one pounds, four five forty, and then it had his stat line: forty-five catches, five hundred ninety-five yards, and three touchdowns. 
and 13.2 yards per catch. And then I wrote right under that, George Kittle, six of four. To, you know, obviously very similar stats, very similar profile. And when I tweeted that, it wasn't like – at the time I wasn't like George Kittle's better than O.J. Howard because their stats are very – they're just very similar player profiles. And then, you know, three years later, George Kittle's one of the most popular players in the NFL, and O.J. Howard was rumored to, rumored to be on the trade block. And obviously he's still a very talented player, but he, he obviously hasn't caught fire and, and had the type of career that George Kittle's had or anything close to it. So it's funny how stuff works out sometimes because – George Kittle, you know, wasn't undrafted, but he 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 spits in the face of what we're talking about right now. You know, a guy that could fall to the fifth round and turn into one of the the best players in the NFL right now is is just you know it happens. It's just rare, and it's hard to it's hard to find those players that you're talking about an entire scouting network dedicated to finding great players and them getting picked apart in every way imaginable for months and even years leading up to to their draft time. You know, and, and it's when you think about all 32 teams doing that in their own specific ways, and then somebody like George Kittle manages still to fall all the way to the fifth round, you know, it, it, stuff like that is, it should just tell you how rare it is and how difficult it is to truly pluck a, a diamond out of the rough, as they would say, or the needle out of the haystack. And so you never really want to, you know, use it as an example of why things could happen, but it, there's always that possibility. That's one of the reasons I hate flying. It's like, they're like, if somebody always tells me the odds of being in a plane crash. I've flown a lot. I'll still fly, but I hate flying. And somebody always says, well, the odds of you dying in a plane crash are blah, 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 to one. And I'm like, yeah, well, somebody has to be that one. <laughs> <laughs> and when that right. person's going down, they're not going to give a shit about what the odds are because they know it's happening to them. And, I, and that's like, obviously when I say that, I do it. Ingest, and I'm kind of laughing a little bit, but but like this thing, you know, when somebody tells you the odds of winning the lottery, somebody's got to win that bitch, and you know, it's it to me that's how I look at it, and and that's the same thing with these draft prospects, man. Like the odds of you being an undrafted superstar are probably, you know, right around the same odds as, to be honest, right around the same odds as winning the lottery. If you if you're talking about the entire pool of football players that want to make it to the NFL. Um, but like Crocker said, who are we to tell somebody that they can't do it? You know, that's, that's what dreams are made of is that type of type of shit right there. But you know, it's so the rest of the tight end, you have George Kittle and then you have, you know, the other guys. <laughs> Ross <laughs> yeah. Ross Raleigh's going to do his thing. I, I think he'll still be, still be around. And then Charlie Warner is interesting. Uh, He's a guy that I could see producing because when he when they first drafted him, the, the, he's a really 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 good blocker, and he made some plays in the past game. Um, but it's kind of like saw, the, I think it was Grant Cohen. I saw him post like a clip of Warner. I want to say it was from like spring game, and he ran somebody over and ran into the end zone. He was like, "Who's it look like?" And everybody's like, "Oh, it's George Kittle." <laughs> like, no, <laughs> it's not George Kittle. <laughs> it's, it is Crocker. It is. It's <laughs> You know, and maybe, maybe, shit, maybe he will be. Maybe the 49ers in in two years, whatever, they will have hashtag paid George Kittle, and then lining up next to him will be George Kittle 2.0 and Charlie Warner, and they will just be dominating the NFL. They'll, you know, no one will be able to stop them. The 49ers will win four Super Bowls, throwing only passes to their two tight ends, and 
you know, it just could be an incredible revolution. Or Charlie <laughs> Warner could be a decent player, and I, I think he'll obviously make the roster, and he'll be the third tight end behind Ross Dwelly and George Kittle. Um, and they did use those sets a lot where they had that tight end in blocking. Um, last year it was the 6'8 guy, um, uh, Toy 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 Lolo. Yeah. Toy Lolo. yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, he was actually in there quite a lot. He he was in there quite quite a lot. Uh, it, it was you know silent. He wasn't getting the ball thrown to him. I think I only remember him really getting like one target, but he was in there. If you kind of really pay attention, they used a good amount of sets where he was in there blocking. You know, with George Kittle on the field, and obviously, you know the 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 wild card guy, uh, the jack of all trades, uh, uh, Kyle Yushek. So, um, you know, if 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 Warner, I, it sounds like he might be better suited to fit that type of role than even like a Dwelly, who's a little bit more of a pure pass catcher. Um, or if like a juice goes down and you have somebody like a Warner, who's, you know, primarily a, a blocking guy, I think he can kind of fit that type of role. And that's not to say he can't excel as a, as a receiver as well. But I, I think when they drafted him, I, I would like to think that they were thinking of a specific role for him and where he can really fit in and, and, and making an immediate impact. And I, I think that could be a big role for him uh, being that toy little. Well, and, and you could tell that Kyle Shanahan wants no shortage of sledgehammers. Like, and, and I guarantee you, in addition to that, you know, he always wants to have two or three guys that he can knows that, that don't play offensive linemen that he can trust to block their ass off in the run game. You know, and George Kittle, despite how big of a playmaker he is, he's one of those. Kyle Juszczyk, Levine Toilolo was one of those. Um, and and I don't I don't know. I mean, Ross Dwelly will probably do his best to develop into one of those. He's he doesn't have quite the frame as the other guys, but that doesn't mean he can't you know develop his ability there. And adding Charlie Warner just seems like he like it like I was saying earlier. He could develop into a legit weapon in the pass game. Everybody when the 49ers drafted George Kittle, he was he was praised for his his blocking, and there were so many highlights of him just running dudes off the screen in at Iowa. So nobody expected George Kittle to burst onto the scene as this incredible pass catcher and you know break the yardage record. So Charlie Warner could definitely have a future in the pass game as well, but it, it just seems like right now the 49ers want to make sure they have that stable of tight ends with along with Juszczyk that can constantly block. And I think as well the 49ers want somebody who can – like they don't want to have George Kittle blocking if they don't have to. They want to make defenses account for George Kittle um, in in whatever formation they're in. So if they can have other tight ends capable of at least fulfilling that role in a capacity that's close to as good in a blocking capacity clo- as close to good as as Kittle, then then that's value. And and getting somebody like that in the fifth round to free George Kittle up and to be more active in the pass game is, you know, just yeah, common. Could- there were times where I saw George Kittle line up in the backfield blocking when the offensive line would be struggling, and that's not that's not ideal. No, and and it's not to say that you know, and, and Kyle Shanahan knows that, and you can bet that he's going to have, and, and he probably already has or already did have plays that took advantage of a defense saying, okay, George Kittle's in the backfield, we don't got to worry about him in this play. You know, and Kyle Shanahan knows defenses would think that and would take advantage of it, but at the same time, there's a lot of times, the majority of times where he's back there to block. And you don't necessarily want your your all pro record setting tight end to just be a blocker when he doesn't have to be. Now again, I say that with a little bit of an asterisk because George Kittle is such a good blocker 
and he's such a factor. He's basically a, a you know a, a hyper athletic offensive lineman. Offensive linemen are already athletic, but you get my point. And so, you know, it's it's not to say that George Kittle's being wasted when he's blocking because he's obviously not. That's that's just such a strong part of his game, and that's why he's about to get paid so much money. A big reason why, but. You want to be able to take advantage of what he brings to the field, and you want to make defenses account for him. Even if he's not the target on the play, even if he's not the second read, uh, you want to make defenses shift to his side because he's going to draw the attention of more than one defender come next season. He was already doing that. But, you know, wherever George Kittle is, he's going to have a defensive back or, you know, it could be it could still be a linebacker if they're crazy. Um, but, you know, that's that's just the way things are. But. I don't know. You got any more any any more comments on the the tight end group? It's pretty straightforward, right? I think him. Uh, he's someone I remember him last year. I thought when he was kind of when you last year, we were watching him. I remember that. Yeah, I thought when Uzcheck got hurt, I thought him, who's somebody who's like listed as a tight end, but if I remember correctly, he got a lot of reps uh, in training camp and preseason at fullback. I thought he was somebody that was going to get promoted to the uh, active roster when a lot of people were like. Oh no, you check his hurt. Like, uh, put this guy here and do this and do that. And I'm like, man, I think, I think him could play a use check type role. I think that I thought that's what he was there for. So, I mean, you know, it, he is intriguing. Uh, he, you know, he'll be back. He was with the office last year. Uh, so that's somebody just kind of, you know, keep an eye on. I, I don't know if he makes a team or not, but, uh, that was just somebody that I just, you know, kind of thought. And again, Warner probably stole his role any type of role that him was going to, going to have. But, uh, you know, as somebody coming back and I, I thought there might be something there for him, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the 49ers did keep four tight ends last year. So, um, right. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a, a, a place for someone like him. Yep. Well, I know we, we, we covered the, the whole spectrum of topics during this talk. I mean, we went, we went all the way from, you know, the unfortunate circumstances uh, involving the Washington Redskins. And then we went over to George Kittle and how much money he could make. And now we're talking about tight ends and training camp. So, I mean, we were all over the place. Hopefully it wasn't too sporadic for you guys. Um, as always, I appreciate you guys listening uh, for each and every minute of the podcast. And wouldn't be able to do it without you. If you ever want to hit us up on Twitter, you can find me at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. And you can find Eric at Eric underscore Crocker. Um, we always manage after every prod. We always manage to get some comments on social media, which I always love. I always appreciate, um, especially when someone's laughing at the fact that we're talking about, like, Forrest Gump and stuff. So, you know, you hit us up. Feel free to, to throw all that goofy stuff our way. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you check out our sponsors, betonline.ag, if that's your thing. Uh, but that's for another week. This is Striking Gold. Signing out. Hashtag pay George Kittle. Peace! (laughs) Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual. 
because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.